Good afternoon again. Now let's open up our Bibles to Acts 17. I do want to thank uh, Mick for his thoughts around the communion. And, uh, you know, it's, in, it's, a, it's an amazing miracle that God does. He gives us the message and then we actually too become the message. You know, we actually become the seed as well. So it's a, it's a very, it's what the cross is all about. New life, a new beginning, and uh, God at the center of everything. I want to talk today about uh, an interesting theme, I believe. And this sermon's going to come in two parts. There'll be another part coming in a couple of weeks, next time I speak. But um, let's just read together Acts 17. We'll pick this up in verse 26. It says, from one man, God made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Don't you feel kind of comforted when you read these words? It's just comforting to know that God knows what's going on. That the world hasn't spun so out of control that somehow God Himself is like, what's going to happen next? God knows what's going to happen next. God has a plan. In fact, for Him, the plan beginning to end is very clear. It's only us that sort of have a question. It's only us that don't know, you know, what each moment's going to bring. And He made all of us, and He set our times and places. But it's interesting what it says here, so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him. There's already a question there. Isn't that kind of sad? That there's a question whether men will reach out for God and find Him, though He's not far from each one of us. The theme of the lesson today is seeing the invisible. Isn't it interesting that God has created a world where we can't actually see Him? I mean, He's he's created a world and from the beginning, His, His intention has been that we would see Him. But how do you see someone who's spirit? How do you see someone who's not material? How do we see God? And yet, our lives won't be fulfilled the purpose for which God made us won't be fulfilled unless we see the invisible. That's, all the, that's, that's the center of everything. You know, we come into this world and uh, our youngest, Eowyn, you know, she's already starting to get moments of intelligence in her eyes. I hope I don't offend anyone. But day one, they just weren't there. You know, somebody was home, truly. And if you didn't notice she was home, she'd make sure you realized she was home. But, but there's somebody there. But she came into this world as a blank slate. She came into this world with no history, no knowledge of right and wrong. I mean, so blank, I think it's almost hard for us to understand. Now, I'm not, you know, a physiologist and biologist, doctor, whatever. I don't know exactly what she was learning while she was still in the womb. 
I, I got a feeling as a human being, she probably was already starting. Something was beginning to happen. But you know, the, the amazing thing is, whatever from conception forward, however you want to look at it, we come in with a completely new start. Completely blank. Just waiting to be written on. And you know, just as we come into this world hungry, physically, I think there's the same thing happening spiritually. That spiritual Eowyn is also hungry. Now, she doesn't understand any more about getting those needs met spiritually than she does about preparing dinner in the kitchen. She has no knowledge. She's totally dependent on the love and care that people are going to give her. And that's interesting too because she in a way is also seeing the invisible. Because she has no clue how these things work. What's behind them. And yet something inside of her is saying, this needs to be done for me. And then already, do you see, the invisible is already there. Um, Solomon said in Proverbs 24.32, I applied my, my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. In other words, his heart actually learned a lesson from what he saw. He applied himself to what he observed. And this is actually, you know, this is human life right here. We, we, you know, one thing you'll see about a little child, they're checking everything out. Now, one of their senses that they really trust is their mouths. So they'll put just about anything in their mouth that you'll let them. They'll get a hold of it, and the first thing... Now, that may just simply be, is this food? That may be the question. Because we know that there's not really even a question yet. There, there's no sentence, is this food? But there's an impulse, there's a desire. The physical body feels it, but the spirit feels it too. You know, children, they've done studies on children in orphanages who aren't held a lot the way that a normal child would be. And they end up with learning disabilities and social problems simply because no one was holding them. I mean, such a simple thing. But see, there's a need that's being met, and the child's reaching out and they're feeling it. Where we begin learning. That's where our life begins. And just like it happens physically, think about walking. You know, if you're going to learn to walk, you've actually got to accept the universality of gravity if you're going to walk. I mean, if you didn't believe that gravity would keep you on the ground, you wouldn't let go of anything. If you thought you were just going to float away, you wouldn't let go. But one of the things a child learns is, what goes up must come down. You know, they're learning some good physics right here. And they learn it, but they have, they couldn't tell you that. But they know. They know. And they may not know the first time they jump off the stairs what's going to happen, but they know the second time. You know, and this is scientific method. It's called experimentation. It's called trial and error. You know, our children are like little scientists. You know, just trying all these different things. Because they're trying to figure out, how do I live in this world? But see, in the same way, it's not too long till spiritual questions come into mind. And children begin to look for order and meaning 
in the moral world, in the social world around them. You know, who's, who here has tried to learn a second language? Okay, who, who would say that was easier than your first language? Anyone? Who found it actually quite difficult? Okay, well, that's a lot of hands still coming up. Why is it difficult when it was so easy the first time? Too much information already. Too much preconceptions already. You didn't learn your first language through another language. Now, you know, I, I would love to get into this all day. This is linguistics. It's interesting. But, you know, what's interesting about this is the second language is always harder. It's always more challenging. Because you've got to work through your first one. The best way to learn a second language is to put the first one aside and learn visually and experientially and not learn through English. That's actually the, the, like the, the newest linguistic method of learning. But it's so hard for us to do that. And, you know, we learn through experience. But just the same way, a child, you know... Bear with me. Put up your hand if you learned a second language or studied a second language. Who only then started to really understand English grammar? That's me. I never thought twice about English grammar until I tried to learn another grammar. And then you start thinking, well, you know, why do these verbs come in front of the nouns? They're supposed to come behind. You know, what kind of thing is this? And you, you know, get, get all these rules. And suddenly you realize as a child, you learned all these rules. And it didn't seem hard. But now it's painful. You know, just like a child is looking for order and communication, we're looking for morals and what's right and wrong in the world around us. Let's look over in Romans chapter 1. See, God created us to see the invisible. He created us to see the invisible. In human thinking, there's sort of two different ways of looking at the thought process and reason. There's inductive reasoning and there's deductive reasoning. And deductive reason, reasoning is when you, you look at the observations and because of them you make a conclusion. And inductive reason is you make your observations, but because of those observations you say, this is why it must have happened before, like this is what must have happened in front of it. And so through reasoning you actually can look into the future and look into the past even though you're in the present. We do this... Every day. And this is how our minds work. We see the invisible. You know, the fact is, you see a car parked in front of your house. Did you see someone park it there? Probably not. But do you know that someone parked it there? It didn't just appear, right? As much as we'd love the science fiction of this, no one believes it teleported. It just appeared. We all believe someone drove it and left it there. And then if it's a car you recognize, you think, where's my friend? That's their car. Where are they? See, that's the mind working. But God has made the world in such a way that He expects us to look at it and just say, there is a God. Look over here in Romans 1 verse 20. It says, since the cre- For since the creation of the world, 
God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Okay, that would be women too. Men and women are without excuse. About what? To acknowledge that there must be a Creator. Whether it's simply cause and effect, which every child learns, or designs evidence of a designer, that you look at something and you can say, somebody made that. Both of those things we learn as children to understand. The universe in which we live points to the existence of a greater power and a greater being. It's the, it's the only answer that makes any sense. Therefore, if you worship a man-made idol, or even a man-made philosophy, a man-made religion, it's inexcusable to God. See, where we're going to go with this, and it might take three, three sermons now that I'm here on page one. Um, but you know, where we're going to go with this is, we're going to come to a point where we believe that God is the God who reveals something to us. In other words, the only way to know the truth is to trust that. But it's so easy to trust what we see and to trust in the visible and not the invisible. And even when it comes to the church, to trust in the visible and not the invisible. God is doing something among us, something amazing, bringing us together through faith in Jesus. It's amazing. But there's also something very normal happening here. I'm sorry. I've got a sore throat. Uh, There's something just normal happening here. People are coming together. They're building relationships. There's friendships. There's, there's, we're helping each other. I mean, there's a lot of just normal things. If we're not careful, we end up just seeing the visible and not the invisible. David wrote this in uh, Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. Let's read that. David, uh, Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. Says the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all, all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. You know, the voice of the creation is heard everywhere around the world. And it's not limited to human language or to human words. The creation is speaking. And we experience the creation at many levels with our bodies, through all of our our physical senses. We understand that the creation is here. David said in Psalm 14.1, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. Therefore, according to the Scripture, to deny the existence of the Creator is to deny the very reasoning capacity that He gave us. In other words, if we say there's no God, we're actually contradicting His very purpose in making us. He made us to seek Him. 
He made us to ask questions. He made us to want to know Him. And so, to deny Him is to deny our very purpose. But you know, we find it difficult sometimes to understand God because He's so different. Have you ever been talking to someone that had such a different culture? It was just hard to get your head around? You know, you learn lessons as you live in foreign cultures about what to do, what not to do. Uh, we were just back in Papua New Guinea a couple of weeks ago, and it definitely reminded me of a few things. But one of them is, at certain places in New Guinea, to be the honored guest at a, fe- at a feast is not a great honor as you might think. Because they cooked a pig. I was, at, I was, an, I was an honored guest at such a feast 33 years, years ago. Hadn't thought about this for a while. But they cooked a pig... Buried it in the ground for about eight hours. First they built a big fire, put it in a pit, put leaves on it, put the pig on it, put leaves on top, then put dirt there, then put more fire on it, then coals and stuff. And then they left it in there. They made an oven which cooked the pig. It It was thoroughly cooked. It was, you know, would have passed government inspection for cooked. But the problem was, being an honored guest, I got the first bowl. Guess what is considered the delicacy? The brain. And not just the head, the brain. So I get this big bowl of brain. And they they were so kind as to give me a spoon. Now I gotta look, I gotta admit, I know the Bible says you should eat everything that's put in front of you. But I looked at that bowl of brain for a while and I just figured out, you know, I, I just, I can't eat this. I'd eaten the bugs, I'd eat, I'm not going to tell you some of the other things I ate, but I ate a lot of stuff. But I just couldn't bring myself. Well, the chief's son was sitting right near me and he'd been given this nice piece of meat. And he was eyeing my brain. I don't mean my brain, but my brain. <laughs> And I could just see this little eight-year-old guy, you know, he's looking over at me. And so I said, Kate, come here. And I traded with him. And I got this wonderful piece, you know, of meat. And then everyone saw what I did, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be in big trouble. But everyone was like, oh, that was so good of you. You're so kind. You're so wonderful. You know. I mean, my point is... We don't even understand each other sometimes. And, you know, we come from different cultures, different backgrounds. Do we really understand God? Do you expect right now to learn new things about God? Yeah, I mean, if you're married, even after 25 years, I just wish I could think of this, because Tammy did something the other day, and I thought, wow, I just learned something new. Should have written it down. I'm, I'm too old to remember. <laughs> I learned it new. Maybe it'll happen again. I'll think it's new again. But it was either something she liked or something she said. And the way she said it, I went, wow, I, I wouldn't have guessed that. 26 years in, new thing. Wow, cool, you know. I mean, if I'm still learning new things about my wife after 26 years. But how do we look at God who's infinite in every way? 
And what's our expectation? Are we satisfied with what we know, in some ways what's become visible to us? Or are we really seeing the invisible God? How incredible is our God? How amazing is our God? Are we seeing the invisible every day? Or are we just living now in the visible and what we know? See, it's hard to understand other people because what we already know keeps us from thinking that's normal or understandable. But the same thing happens when we look at God. In human religious thought, when there's no divine revelation and no inspiration, this, this human thinking constantly restricts God in both character and power. The, the God of human religion is too small. You know, the very essence of the Christian religion is the cross. And it's not good moral people. It's not our special program helping the poor. It's not how we appreciate art and make beautiful things. The very center of the Christian religion is the God who gave Himself to us on a cross to die. There's no other religion like it. And it's funny because people look at the Quran and maybe 40-50% of the Quran somehow is taken out of the Bible and you know all these different things. But the, the center, forget the 40-50% that may be similar. The center of Christianity is the God who loves us so much He came and lived in a body just like ours and gave His life for us. There's no God like that. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is amazing that God would do that. But we get used to the idea. And it loses its newness and wonder. And we stop seeing the invisible and are satisfied with the visible. You know, back in Romans 1, let's go back there again, Romans 1 verse 22. I mean, what happens with human religion Romans 1, verse 22. It says, although they claim to be wise, and that's pretty popular these days, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images to look, to made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. And we can also say they were fools because they exchanged the truth of God's revelation for man-made stories and man-made interpretation and human tradition. These misconceptions, they weaken the very view of God. But they also can weaken us. Because do we really believe in the incredible God who's more than we can imagine. You know, there was a sect of the Jews in the time of Jesus called the Sadducees. And Jesus challenged them. He rebuked them in Matthew 22. And He said, You are in error because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God. 
You know, we can be in error too. If we don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. And the power of God should be something that as we think about it each day, we're inspired. God has power. The Creator of the universe can't be put into a box. No matter how big that box. If you can picture the box, God is bigger. So it's not that it's bad to try to think about how God, how big God is, but the next thing is, He's bigger. It's not bad to think about how loving God is. But even when you've done all the thinking of it you can, you need to finish with, and more. Do you understand? Do we really want to see the invisible? Because God made us so that we can think about it, we can extend ourselves, we can go there, but we've got to want to see the invisible. Or just perhaps we'll find Him. It's not guaranteed if we don't seek Him. You know, going back to some beautiful Old Testament passages, look over in Job chapter 11. I say Job. Job chapter 11. Job 11, verses 7 to 9. It says, Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Job 11, 7 to 9. Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths of the grave. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Can you, can we grasp God? No. But if we can't grasp Him, why are we striving to know Him more? Why are we satisfied with what we know? Now sometimes I know how I feel. I already know enough, I'm challenged. You know, why do I want to know more when what I know is challenging me? But see, what that really says sometimes is, am I really even knowing what I know? Do do you understand? Am I really trying to understand what I know? I mean, just one little glimpse of Jesus... Read through a gospel, and already we could be challenged for the rest of our lives if our hearts are soft enough. What an amazing life He had. What an amazing message He had. What amazing love He had. Is it just now a story, and I know the beginning, and I know the end, and some points in the middle? Or are we digging deeper into the heart of God? Look in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40, verse 25 and 26. It says, to, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I always love this one because on a, on a clear night, when you go out and look at the stars, they just go on forever. And no matter how big you're feeling, when you look up at those stars, you realize, I'm not so big. 
And you know, just as you're thinking, look, everything's so stable, it's so wonderful, one of them shoots across the the sky and disappears. And you're kind of like, ooh, that's so scary. What just happened? Because, you know, we like to think that nothing changes. But our God made the universe out of nothing. He simply spoke it into existence. And we need to look at the creation around us and let it speak to us every day. Our God is an awesome God. Look in verse 13, chapter 40. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed Him as a counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge? Who showed him the path of understanding? Who created God? Don't you get that question sometimes? Well, the moment you ask the question, who created God, you already didn't get it. No one created God. God is not created. It's the whole point. Someone thinks that's such a smart question, you know. I don't know how many people would have seen the, the movie um, uh, Prometheus. The, it's a prequel to the Alien series. And, you know, if you don't like being scared, I don't recommend watching the Alien movies, okay? But uh, anyways, this was all about we're going to find our makers. Prometheus. It's about the, the Greek god who flew, or Titan that flew too close to the sun. You know, all this kind of stuff. But, and, and, was, and was destroyed. But what happened? They went to find their makers, and guess what? Oh, it's just another alien race, and they're just as imperfect, and everybody, the end of the movie is depressing. This was supposed to be the ones that made us. But the ones that made us created these enemy aliens to consume us, because they weren't happy with us. That's what they found out. They really didn't want to know what the Creator was up to. That's not us. We want to know what the Creator's doing because the Creator has a plan for our lives to, to, to really get His arms around us, love us, have a relationship with us. He made us to seek Him. No one taught God. He is the beginning of everything. So what, what do we need to do today? We just need to accept this message. We need to accept the message that's outside all around us. You know, the weather. Was anyone surprised a little bit by the weather? Did anyone feel this month that you weren't in control? You know, weather is quite interesting because we count on weather for a lot of things. Weather is really important to our day-to-day life. I mean, you know, we're not even farmers, but weather's important to us. You know, because what shoes am I going to wear? Do I need to have a sweater? You know, I mean, all these practical questions. I mean, the weather, should I have some sunblock? No, it's Birmingham, not necessary. No, you know, we, we have these various questions. But the weather's really also saying to us, Hey guys, I'm here. And yeah, I heard, you know, God's up in heaven. I heard what the weatherman said about today. (laughs) Who does that guy think he is? 
You know, the biggest computers in the world, the Cray computer, is, is trying to figure out the weather patterns of the world. This is a very important military piece of information. Weather affects war. So the biggest computer in the States, a Cray computer, is trying to understand weather. Guess what? It's still working on it. It's a big question. But you know what? God knows how it's going to be tomorrow. Because God doesn't need an umbrella either. So he, he doesn't look at it the same way you do, but, or we do. But you, do you understand? God, this creation is speaking to us. And it's telling us more about God than we know right now. If we're just willing to listen. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 9. I just want us to be inspired today. As we go away, you know, you have some time for a quiet time every day. I trust that's happening. You have some time to pray, some time to read your, the Bible. But you know, it's interesting. God is speaking to you all the time. The creation is speaking. And the message isn't greatly detailed often. Often the message I get is, He's in control. The message I get is, I'm not in control. But actually those two things, what a great message to take with you through your day. Because if something I want is going to happen today, maybe I just need to pray, if the Lord wills, this will happen. But see, the creation tells me that. The creation tells me that there's an all-powerful God who's made the world I live in and He has a purpose for me. Seeing the invisible has always been God's purpose for us. And praise God for His Word, but also just praise Him for the creation that speaks a message that we can listen to no matter what's going on. There's almost always a window somewhere. There's almost always a plant in a pot somewhere. There's almost somewhere, somewhere, there's, an, there's a reminder. It might just be your own body. Feeling good, feeling bad. Just, you know, we experience this creation. But God's purpose has always been singular in that. That we would know that He is God and that He has made us. As we close with a prayer, let's just have the worship team come get ready. Let's pray together. Our Father and God, we thank You that You care so much about us, that You have revealed Yourself to us in ways that we can understand. And Father, I know how slow we must seem to You sometimes and, and how weak, because truly we are. But Father, we just thank You that You love us as we are. That You call us to Yourself as we are. And Father, I really pray that we can this week just enjoy Your message sounding throughout the universe around us, Father. That we can listen to the voice of the creation and be inspired to, just, to really see Your power and see Your purpose. Father, we know that we could never fully grasp You. Father, even all of humanity together could never grasp You. And yet, Father, You have made us in such a way that we can reach out for You and try to grasp You. 
But more importantly, Father, You grasp us. And I just pray that we'll really let You take hold of our lives this week. Help us to walk with You. Help us to see You. Help us to hear Your voice. Help us, Father, to to be pleasing to You. Strengthen our faith. Help us to be an encouragement to each other in all of this. That we can remind each other of Your power and Your divine being and Your plan for our lives. Thank You, Father. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.